Typhoon Dock Story is drawing near. As of Wednesday afternoon, the storm's periphery had reached the southern tip of the island. Areas on storm alert include Ringling, Jiayi, Tainan, Kaohsiung, Hualien, Taidong, Pingdong and the Hunchun Peninsula and Penghu County. Doxory is set to deliver its fiercest weather conditions from Wednesday evening to Friday morning. The storm is carrying a large amount of moisture, and it's dumped heavy showers over the east coast and southern half of the island. On Wednesday, accumulated rainfall exceeded 500 millimeters at Pingdong's Dau Mountain. Over 400 millimeters were recorded at Hualien's Tianxiang. As we head into Thursday, expect to see rainfall intensify along the west coast. All parts of the island should stay on high alert until Friday afternoon when the storm is expected to taper off. The Hanguang War Games continue Wednesday with mock Chinese attacks in an airport and oil refinery. At the CPC refinery in Taoyuan, President Tsai Ing-wen watched on as soldiers fended off a simulated PLA raid. And at Taoyuan International Airport, troops conducted a first-of-its-kind drill, repelling the seizure of Taiwan's international gateway. Here in the controlled airspace of Taoyuan International Airport, two Apaches and four Blackhawk helicopters suddenly emerge. The Apaches open fire to cover the Blackhawks' descent. As enemy troops pour out, Taiwan's forces form a defensive stance and the ground battle begins. As part of the 39th Hanguang exercises, Taiwan's troops reacted to a mock Chinese attack at Taoyuan International Airport. It was the first time the airport was used in the war game's 40-year history. Northern Taiwan is considered an important region, so the army developed two armored brigades in the north. But if the enemy launches simultaneous attacks, such as an amphibious landing at Watzewei or Kengzikou, along with an airborne landing at the Taoyuan airport or the old airport, and perhaps even with a sabotage operation against key refinery infrastructure, then there may be multiple breaches. Once the breach is made, airborne troops would be able to guide follow-up troops, enabling a steady advance to the urban areas. Taoyuan International Airport is only 5 kilometers away from Taoyuan's Zhuwei Fishing Harbor. Because of this, it's seen as a key point of defense. Amid the military exercises, the airspace at Taoyuan was restricted for 40 minutes. Both the southern and northern runways were closed to commercial aircraft. I was delayed for about half an hour. It was delayed from 9.30 to 10.30. But there's nothing to be done because the military drills are for Taiwan's security. Besides rehearsing standard operations, troops also simulated an airport infiltration by the so-called Fifth Column, or enemy sympathizers. Airport police and firefighters joined in the effort against China's gray zone warfare. This scenario involves the fifth column, or what we call sleeper agents, infiltrating the airport and setting fire to key infrastructure. Over at the Taoyuan refinery, troops simulated a surprise PLA raid and attempted seizure. Taiwan's forces were quickly deployed to reinforce the site. 
In addition, helicopters marked in red played the role of the PLA, moving in to drop soldiers onto the refinery. A chopper from Taiwan's forces followed in hot pursuit. On the rooftop of a building, officers and officials surveyed the scene. The group included President Tsai Ing-wen, who was diagnosed with COVID the day before. Particularly in the 39th Hanguang exercises, we included the defense of the refinery in anticipation of a possible attack or disaster there. This is aimed at establishing comprehensive contingency measures to effectively protect the country's key infrastructure. Tsai was before the cameras for the first time since being diagnosed. The public appearance underscored her commitment to national defense. The Taiwan State Building Party has launched a collection of postal stamps in Ukraine in collaboration with the country's postal service. The fight for the future stamps feature elements representing Taiwan and Ukraine. The stamps symbolize both countries' resistance against authoritarianism. The launch ceremony in Ukraine was attended by the head of the Taiwan State Building Party's Kaohsiung branch, Yang Peihua, who experienced Russia's threat firsthand during an air raid. This special stamp collection is called Fight for the Future. It was unveiled by the Taiwan State Building Party and Ukrainian Postal Service. The stamps are brimming with Taiwanese elements, including a Formosan black bear, a pangolin, and a bird soaring in the sky. With the deep red of the Taiwan State Building Party and the colors of the Ukrainian flag, the stamp aims to symbolize the resolve to defend one's homeland. Through this stamp collab between the Taiwan State Building Party and Ukraine, we hope to tell the world that fighting back against dictators is the joint responsibility of all democratic countries. One year into the Russia-Ukraine war, a ceasefire is still nowhere in sight. Yang Peihua, the head of Taiwan State Building Party's Kaohsiung branch, says Ukraine and Taiwan are in a similar predicament, as both are threatened by authoritarian regimes. Yang is currently in Ukraine, where she had a close call as a missile dropped just 50 meters away from her. She says she hopes the stamps will help raise funds for Ukraine. I hope it conveys that Taiwan, like Ukraine, is determined to actively counter foreign aggression and protect its homeland. We hope Peihua will have a safe trip back and tell us about the situation on Ukraine's front lines so that Taiwan can enhance its knowledge for war preparation. In Taiwan, one and air raid drills are now underway. The Taiwan State Building Party says that drills should not be reduced to a mere performance. It urges central and local governments to devote more attention to civil defense training. A handful of well-known dessert brands, including Cold Stone and Sugar Cane Mama, have failed the FDA's food safety inspections. A total of six beverages or desserts were found to contain excess bacteria. Let's hear from the FDA. Six shops failed repeated inspections for excess enterobacteriaceae. In accordance with the law, the fine for each of these six shops is at least 30,000 NT for a total of 180,000 NT. These are well-known businesses that failed our product inspections. We will publish our inspection results online for consumers to use as a reference. We have already made improvements to the pipes and machines, that is, they've been replaced with new ones. The problem is likely due to the fact that they were old. 
there was water scaling, which breeds bacteria. Actually, every year there are inspections. We had always passed them before, we just didn't pass them this time. The FDA inspected 371 shops nationwide, testing a total of 408 drinks and ice products. The six non-compliant shops are a sugarcane mama in Taipei's Zhongzheng district, a meat fresh in Taipei's Datong district, and two eateries in Tainan's east district, a cold stone and an AE beverage shop. Also failing inspections were two Taro Yuan locations, one in New Taipei's Xinjiang district and the other in Xinju County's Hukou Township. A new exhibition called Visual Fanzine showcases works by Taiwan's top 15 illustrators. Many of them have won the International Bologna Ragazzi Award for the world's finest and most innovative picture books. Some of the pictures and graphics also depict Taiwanese daily life in the past, giving viewers a glimpse of how things used to be. Our very own Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. The first floor of the National Central Library has been transformed into an exhibition room filled with artworks created by Taiwanese illustrators of books and other media. These artworks are by Taiwanese artist Luo Ning. He has created a series of illustrations of daily life in Taiwan. We can see locals in drugstores, fruit stores, Chinese medicine stores, and breakfast shops. This creator can let us see bits and pieces of life in the past in Taiwan. One aspect is that it lets visitors understand our past lifestyles. Whether it is architecture or life, it brings back memories. There are also works by renowned Taiwanese illustrator Jimmy Liao. Jimmy has been a very important image creator for Taiwanese readers for a long time, around 20 to 30 years. He used text and images. He would use simple wording that was either abstract or concrete to express the roles of human characters or animals. This is an exhibition organized by the National Central Library. The library is displaying the works of 15 illustrators and eight picture book writers. A total of 100 related books selected by the library are also exhibited here. During the exhibition period, the library will hold a series of guided tours along with three lectures. First, we hope to showcase Taiwan's abilities in image creation, as these 15 image creators all have experience in creating and have different styles. Three lectures will be held and they are free. The creators will share their creative life and the sources of their inspiration. The National Central Library will hold three lectures on July 30th, August 6th, and August 20th on the third floor of the library. Visual Fanzine will be held at the National Central Library till September 5th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Tan Junhao in Taipei. The hunt for shipping containers has come to a pause in Kaohsiung Harbor. More than a thousand shipping containers fell into the ocean last Friday when a Palau-flagged container ship named Angel sank off the port of Kaohsiung. After days of retrieval, 66 containers still need to be recovered. Let's hear from the port authority. Currently, there are some 34 containers in the Nanxing zone, and there's no risk of danger with these. There are another 32 containers up from Bito, stranded on the tetrapods or along the beach. These containers are at relatively low risk of washing out to sea, so we will not salvage them for the time being. 
With Typhoon Doksa moving in, the hunt for containers has been suspended. At present, none of the containers are floating at sea. Many have sunk to the bottom of the ocean. A few dozen are stranded on shore. Port authorities plan to eventually tow all the stranded containers back to the dock. As for the sunken ship, an oil spill was discovered near it on Tuesday. A cleaning vessel was immediately dispatched to the site to conduct cleanup work. Taiwan is a leader in the global semiconductor market. But as Taiwanese firms expand overseas, they're confronting a shortfall of managerial talent. To meet the sector's needs, Suchow University has partnered with a business school in the U.S. to launch a training program for professional managers. Two-thirds of Acer's employees are abroad, and almost all of them are locals. There are very few Taiwanese. Taiwan doesn't produce enough talent. Speaking at Suzhou University, Acer founder Stan Shi underscored the importance of nurturing global talent. He urged Taiwanese businesses to start as soon as possible. The semiconductor industry is at this stage of internationalization, and Taiwan is making even more contributions to the world. That's why I have asked the Thunderbird School of Global Management to team up with Suchow University and the Stan Shi Foundation to offer training courses like these. Shi offered a solution, saying that education is a cradle of talent cultivation. Suchou University and the Thunderbird School of Global Management have collaborated for years. Now with the rise of AI, they aim to train management-level talent in the semiconductor sector. Then we need a new kind of global leader, manager, and professional in this 21st century. The dean of the Thunderbird School of Global Management, Sanjeev Kagram, traveled to Taiwan to sign off on the talent development program. The venture recognizes the development potential of Taiwan's semiconductor ecosystem. Obviously, with TSMC and their investment there, we have many more Taiwanese students coming not only to our school, but also to other schools at Arizona State University, particularly engineering in terms of semiconductor uh, technology talent. Based on our talks with TSMC, it seems that their American employees may want to know why things should be done a certain way. I think it's just a difference in perception. It's something we should pay attention to. Educational institutions are rushing to train semiconductor talent, aiming to help firms in Taiwan go global. Vegetable prices are going up as shoppers stock up in anticipation of the typhoon. In Taipei, prices are up by some 10 percent on average compared to last week. At one traditional market, cabbage now costs 46 NT a caddy, up from 38. Green onions are up from 110 to 135 NT per caddy. And the price rise is even worse down south. At Ringling Xilor Agricultural Products Market, the price of some leafy greens has soared by 30 percent. Vendors call out to entice customers. With Typhoon Doxury edging closer, locals are shopping to weather the storm. Long-lasting veggies like cabbage and broccoli are a popular pick. This woman buys a large bag packed with just broccoli. Broccoli lasts quite a long time. I bought four or five heads. It was just over 200 NT. It's always like this. Prices go up after a typhoon passes. Shopping tomorrow or the day after will be a pain, so I wanted to stock up today. 
Vegetable prices are already on the high end. They can't really go up much more. There's no room to rise much further. Vegetables have soared in price over the past week. Cabbage went from 38 to 46 NT a catty. A catty of sweet potato leaves is up from 40 NT to 50 NT. Even green onions have skyrocketed from 110 to 135 NT. On average, prices have risen by more than 10 percent. Over at Yunlin Shilo Agricultural Products Market, the price rise is even worse. One catty of Shanghai bok choy used to go for 35 NT, but is now 47 NT. Water spinach has jumped from 36 NT to 46 NT, and white bok choy is up to 48 NT from 34.4 NT. On average, leafy greens have gone up by some 30 percent. It's because everyone was preparing for the typhoon. Many farmers have been putting part of their crops in cold storage. Over the past two days, the supply has been reduced by about 200 tons, so there's just over 600 tons left. Vendors say the price rise is driven by public stockpiling ahead of the storm. Taipei Agricultural Products Marketing Corporation says it will double the produce supply through a variety of channels in order to meet the surging demand. Young handball players from Taichung won two golds earlier this month at the European Handball Festival in Slovenia. Students from Tanzi Elementary School faced teams from all around the world. They brought home two championship titles in the girls' U11 and U12 divisions. The players say the experience was a dream come true and that they're eager to defend their crown next year. Size handball players run across the court, anticipating their opponent's strategy. Rushing forward, they smoothly intercept a pass. With unmatched rapport, they move the ball across the court. Launching a final throw past the keeper, they score their 22nd goal. Team Taiwan defeated their opponents from France by a margin of 10 goals, winning the U-12 championship title. It was my first time winning a championship. After the game, we all hugged and cried together. Our opponents were very tall and big. It was hard to attack, so to score goals, we relied almost completely on good defense followed by a quick attack. Earlier this month, the girls' handball team from Tanzi Elementary School headed to Slovenia to compete in an international handball championship. For six days in a row, they faced teams from different countries, making their way to the top to win the U-12 title. Their sister team in the U-11 division did just as well. Facing a three-player defense, Tanzi Elementary showcased its finesse. A masterful pass through a gap in the defense led to yet another point. With its powerful offense and defense, Tanzi closed out the game 14-7 to score a second title for Taiwan. It was an honor to represent Taiwan at the competition. It felt like a dream come true. I'm super happy. Next year, we'll go back and win the championship again. I'm very touched because competition abroad can be very tough. And there's a matter of referees. There's a home advantage. The kids were very nervous throughout. 
The 17 players put the spotlight on Taiwan as they waved their national flag at the tournament's opening ceremony. After returning to Taiwan and resting up for a week, it's now back to training ahead of another competition in August. A garage in Hualien is one of the most unusual destinations in Taiwan for bird lovers. Repair shop owner Lai Jingchong has been a fan of birds for many years. As a member of the Wild Bird Association of Taiwan, he was gradually roped into taking in injured and vulnerable birds. Now the garage is almost like a sanctuary. There are so many birds convalescing on site that Lai has gathered a team of volunteers to manage the work. But the satisfaction of letting birds fly free once they recover makes everything worth it. Two little birds jostle for space when a syringe of food pops into their box. The third little bird just watches by the side, perhaps not wanting to eat or perhaps not knowing what to do. There are lots of vulnerable chicks to care for here, but adult birds also come here to convalesce after injuries. It's not a zoo or a breeding center, it's a car repair garage. At first, we just took them in. People sent us birds and we took them in, and the women from the bird association took care of them. Then there were problems with space, and it so happened we had space here. So they passed it to me, and I just said, okay, and here I am doing it. This Hualien garage owner first got interested in birds many years ago on a mountain hiking trip. He's now a member of the Wild Bird Association of Taiwan. The association asked him to house birds at the garage when it became clear there was no sanctuary for chicks or injured birds in the Hualien and Taidong areas. That was 12 years ago. Since then, the project has only grown in size, and he's had to hire volunteers to keep up. The difficult thing is probably feeding them. The bird we feed first is the red turtle dove of the family Columbidae. It has a rather sharp beak. When you feed them, basically you hold their beak and open it. But sometimes they don't want to open their beak. When it's recovered, you put it in a bigger place. And if it can forage for food and gradually train itself up and it's okay, then we let it go. To give these birds the care they need, the garage has gathered a team of volunteers and built this enclosure made of netting to keep the birds safe from other animals. In return, they get the joy of being close to the birds every day, an unusual kind of bird-watching opportunity.